Welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm here with Lenny. What up? And John. Tonight's episode... (laughs) On tonight's episode, we're talking about Godzilla versus a boat. Is two better than one? We're not quite sure. And John picks an elegant car. So that's what we're talking about this week. Let's talk about what we've done this week. So John, start us off. I'm st- whoa! Hold! You can't just put me on the spot like that. What am I starting? What? Yes, I can. I'm I, the host. I well, I'm definitely put you on the spot. I'm supposed to tell you what I did. What have you done the past few days? I, I don't know. Um. Well, so we're recording this bad boy a little earlier than we do because um, I'm gonna go to Amsterdam and have a very tame time. Uh, mostly gonna read Which Bible I'm, verses and do Scrabble. I'm. V- I'm very jealous of you. <laughs> you should be. I'm a fan of Amsterdam. I've been there, uh, I will say, more than once uh, for a very varying lengths of time. And I, I absolutely love that city. And not for what you would think, which, you know, would be the sex and drugs. It's the... No, you know... I don't want to be pretentious here and be like, uh, culture. Go for but, you know. bikes, man. I'd go to ride my bike. Look, I I want to... I want to... I want to... I'm not going to say piggyback. I almost did the, the military meeting faux pas. Uh, I appreciate what you said. <laughs> I appreciate what you said because the first time I went to Amsterdam, so one of my best friends in the whole world is, uh, he lives there and he's almost got been granted citizenship. Um, and the first time I went there to visit him, I was so disappointed in my fellow man because <laughs> my entire life, I had just heard, you got to go to Amsterdam for hookers and weed. And I went there and like all we did for the four or so days I was there was rode bikes to the park and went paragliding and sip lattes at a coffee shop next to a canal and looked at tulips. And it was the most peaceful and relaxed time. I have ever had in my entire life. And yeah, the hookers and the weed are fantastic. Sure. But like, there's so much more that that country has to offer. So much more. uh, For the bikes, the windmills and the flowers, all that stuff. I got, I got to say like, uh, almost, uh, Amsterdam specifically is such a duality of a city. I love I like saying that because it's um there's so it's so many extremes it's just one to the other there's yeah a, a sex a sex museum there's a torture museum there's a bulls uh liqueur museum that's right across the street from the Van Gogh museum that's right down the street from the Rembrandt art museum that's five blocks down the street from the Heineken brewery the main Heineken brewery yeah. That's uh, just across the canal from the uh, the yellow yellow haze coffee shop, which is one of the most f- famous um, coffee shops in Amsterdam. One of one of the oldest, it's like a landmark. Yada yada yada. So that's like really, I think to me, a huge profession of you know what Amsterdam is and, and what it could offer to you. At any given point in time, any given point in day. Yeah, you you 
you haven't been relaxed till you went and chilled out in Amsterdam. That that it's uh it's fun for all ages, you know. It don't be if you don't yeah, indulge. Yeah, if you don't like paying for sex and don't smoke weed, don't be deterred from going to Amsterdam because there's a lot to do that is not of you know wouldn't question anyone's morals. So big recommendation. Uh, I've been getting the first time I stayed in Amsterdam. I remember the hostel I stayed at was just next to the Heineken brewery museum right there and it was oh it was such a good convenient spot we didn't have to take any sort of public transportation we walked everywhere even though like the trams were very like they were just right there and and that's also a good thing about the netherlands in general like their tram and train system is highly efficient you guys also didn't mention the Anne frank museum well yeah obviously yeah, I just thought of that because I'd have to go check that out because of Neutral Milk Hotel. And there's also yeah, there's also the I think the uh, National National Museum of of History over there in Amsterdam, uh, over there on the Bay Coast. So lots to lots to see in Am- Amsterdam and the yeah. Dutch. But uh, I mean, car wise, there's not much. They do a lot of biking. Although, and what's interesting is that we did talk about Zandvoort a few episodes back here. Most of the people that went to that liked there. They didn't are. So, like, the traffic jams you'd normally associate with the GP didn't exist. Right. They, used <laughs> all the bikes. Hell, they always went on bikes. Because that's just the <laughs> Netherlands for you guys. That's how it works. That's awesome. So, uh, and yeah, so we're recording this a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, yeah, because Sean's going to be away for a week. I'm womp, super womp. jealous. Uh, sorry, I'm not. Uh, you have to. Uh, you have to get me some Gouda cheese. Two wheels of Gouda cheese, please. Gouda. Oh yeah, Gouda. So, uh, but smoked recently on Simwise smoked. Mm, keep it toasty. Mm. On the uh, on the actual car front here, uh, on the Sim side, F1 2021 just came out with a new patch, and they came out uh, and released the Portugal Portmau track uh both i and lenny have been kind of tackling it it is a really cool track mm. i've enjoyed it thoroughly uh it is a lot of blind turns very hard to get a clean lap um once again impressed by actual a lot of fun driving yourself and your confidence oh, for sure. man, it is like oh i got a clench on this one i mean it is uh it is fantastic it is a lot of fun though uh and it's very rolling hills so i've been hitting that um have you beaten my well, time yet i have not but i will uh hopefully lenny is the de facto fastest he uses a controller yeah, yeah, though and not yeah, a sim rig like yeah, john and no. i don't have sim rigs Lenny's hey listen controller. you could you could buy me a sim rig please and i will gladly Yo, whoop your ass three kids or i'll, hey, I'll obtain a sponsorship kids. i have no money come on playboy no. save up them shekels let's let's see it F- shekels all I, know, all I know is that I'm faster than yeah. Sir Lewis Hamilton right now, also on that track. Yeah, on some joysticks. Oh. On some joysticks. On some yeah, joysticks. with everything off. I have everything off, though. That's Get cool. a Fanatec rig like the Be rest fair. Of us. That's cool. You have everything off, including the steering wheel and pedals. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're using joysticks. That's good. That's fair. fair. But it's a good track. I'm glad they added it. And they're going to add yeah, a Jetta fun. at some point. They're going to add Jetta. And uh, I can't remember what the other one they're going to add at some point is. I've also been uh, hitting up 
no, that's next year. Uh, the, oh, it's for this year they're adding, they said. Yeah, so for 2021, there's a third. Tr- I can't remember what it is. They, from last year, they did. Maybe Turkey? Maybe. I wish. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Turkey's so good. Slippery um, Turkey. Yeah. So, especially with the new tarmac. Um, yeah, so I've also been doing uh, GT. I yeah, John, if, if, if you didn't know, it, uh, did. if you didn't know uh, that was the main commentary last year, I think, for the. Oh, yeah. The race in Turkey, that the tarmac, the new tarmac proved to be very slippery for the drivers. It was icy. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. It was sliding everywhere. It was really good. Uh, and it sucks we can't go there again this year. Uh, and then on GT, I've been, I actually hit the Nurburgring, um, both in a GTR 32, uh, right around 500 horse ponies, I think, is what I had it set at. Uh, I had limiting because I was racing, not just doing time trials. And then I also hit it in my go to sim. GT Sport right now, which is the uh, NSX 17 2017. Although in GTR Sport it's a Honda, but in real life it's an Acura. So no, uh, no, 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 no. Okay, in, in, what do you mean no? It's only an Acura in the United States. In real, real life, oh. it's a Honda. Well, I called out the Honda guys properly at the dealership. Then good deal. Okay, what do you good. mean you so called? Because I, call, I told them. So I was at a hundred dealership looking for a new minivan because I'm a dad. So I have to, you know, look out minivans and I was telling them about the Honda and they were like, it's the Acura, but that's because in America they would sell it as an Acura. They don't have it at the Honda dealership in America. So that makes sense. Yeah. But everywhere on the internet and also on GGR sport, it's Honda. And so for me, that's what made sense. And I was confused about that. So thank you for correcting that. So GTR sport is a Japanese video game. Acura, Lexus, and Infinity only exist because back in the day, here's your little trivia factoid. There was there we go. There was this uh, this stigma about Japanese cars that they were like cheap, thanks boomers. Yeah, you know they're not American. So like like in America, like you bought a Japanese car if you wanted something cheap and reliable, and if you had money and wanted something nice, you got a Cadillac. And so there's a stigma about Japanese cars that being cheap, and the Japanese wanted to reinvent themselves. So they basically just pulled a hoodwink on the U.S. <laughs> market, and they invented luxury brands. And if you buy that same car anywhere else in the world, it's a Toyota or a Honda. It's not wow. an Acura or a Lexus. Lexus doesn't exist or outside an Nissan. of the USA. Yeah, yeah, for Infiniti. Um, it's the same car. That's right? amazing. Like, yeah, they use nicer leather and stuff in the u.s sure. on those models but in japan you just buy the nicer trim toyota you don't so buy basically the, the the trim level is already higher in america but otherwise the chassis and the engine and no 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 what makes the car but what, I, what i'm saying is like that model like it might be like the nsx for instance there's there's no honda nsx in america it was always an accurate nsx because that's like their supercar huh. all, all that crap but right. it's a honda nsx anywhere else in the world it's only an acura because because in America, we couldn't fathom paying Ferrari money for a Honda. But Honda money for an Acura, yeah, that's a luxury car. But in, in Japan, or, yeah, in Japan, it's a Honda NSX. Or like in the case of my Lexus GX470, mm-hmm. anywhere else in the world, it's a Toyota Land Cruiser Prado 100. Boom. Interesting. 
Yeah, because if you type NSX into Google, it will pop up Honda NSX. But then over here on the sidebar, it says Acura NSX, probably because I'm in America. And people also ask on Google, is NSX Honda or Acura? And so the Honda NSX marketed in North America as the Acura NSX, the two-seat mid-engine coupe sports car manufactured by Honda. So, America, you got hoodwinked by Japan once again. And it worked. It worked Finally. really well. It yeah. worked really well. Uh, we bought it Fantastic. hook, line, and sinker. And, and and that's why there were so many buyers for the Lexus LFA, right? Instead of the Toyota LFA. That's uh, hilarious. I mean, so I, that, would, uh, I would argue nowadays, like, the, the economy has globalized to the extent that I don't think that stigma really exists. And I would say we've gone the opposite direction. And most people think American cars are pieces of crap and that you can rely on yes. Japanese cars. But once they've already started the brand and the infrastructure and all that crap, like why take it down? Well, and I actually just had a discussion with my uh, brother about uh, trucks tonight. And uh, I was like, well, why don't you get like a Toyota Tacoma or whatever? And he's a contractor. So he like puts legitimate concrete and heavy stuff in the back of it. And he said, they're great for like, because I, I was talking John about how you just go schmobbing in the back hills of the Appalachia with yours. And he said, yeah, they're good for that. They've got a really good flooding suspension. But like once you put weight on them, they don't do shit all. And so he was talking about getting a Chevy truck uh, because of comparative to Ford or uh, Dodge Ram, for example, and why that's most legitimate for him for what his actual business is, which is moving heavy stuff and how the suspension is set up. He's talking about magnetic suspension. Uh, how it's loose versus hard, depending on the amount of weight on it, which is pretty cool. Uh, so America still does trucks pretty decent. Um, but I, yeah. apparently the Japanese trucks are good, but they're not good for doing hauling. Well, so, I trust Kyle on that because he does what he's talking about. The, I mean, American, and I'm not a truck expert. Uh, I love my taco, which is Toyota. Um, <laughs> But I'm not doing heavy work on that. I'm getting weird on hey. some trails and taking my motorcycles to the track. That's pretty much why that truck exists in my life. Um, but Amer uh, Japanese, they don't, you know, a Tundra is the biggest truck Toyota makes, and it's about the size of an F-150. So you're talking 250s, 350s, dualies, turbo diesels, yeah, stuff man. like that. Like, if, if, you, if you really need to do some work. Power strokes. Right. If you really need to do some work, then yeah, the bigger American trucks are kind of what you're going to go to. I would just say that most people that think they need those kinds of trucks don't, don't. at all. Correct. But that's an episode. That's an episode of the future. <laughs> don't, why are you buying a 350 when you live in suburbia and uh, are a stockbroker? Don't do that. Anyways, so Lenny, what are uh, we here for? We're here to talk about what we've done this week in cars and we've got sidebarred, but it's good conversation. That's what you're here for, folks. But uh, Lenny, what have you done this week? What are you going to do over this weekend by the time this episode drops when John's in Amsterdam? Woo! Uh, all I'm going to do this weekend is put in laps on the F1 game and set the bar extremely high for all you guys. Because I've noticed that I am beating all of both of you in every single track that we posted laps on mistakes and so i'm gonna dominate that's all i'm gonna do you gotta dominate from the gate yo i'm not gonna lie you guys are gonna kick my ass we should i'm taking we a week off. five seconds you had five seconds every lenny's time and, and you know what you know what I'll, I'll even i'll even 
put a handicap on it. I'll only do three. La- I'll limit myself to three. The first three laps shut on every up, track, and just up. post that no, lap. You won't. Oh jeez. You know, I don't even want you to do that. Just, yeah, don't do that. Don't I do know. that. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna pull it out on you guys. Look, yeah. I'm point just... three off you on Monza. Okay, I'm in there. I'm in there, Great. dog. Uh, Great. So then, so then it'll prove it'll prove competitive. Also, I'm just interested what happens to your times <laughs> when you get a sim rig, like the adults here in the room. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you'll be faster. Maybe you'll be slower. But like, I don't really care until you're driving. Well, normally though, sim rigs <laughs> uh, how, technically okay. usually. So how, how much? How much did your sim rigs cost? Well, hold on. Well, I mean, am okay, I well, okay. Like, so, am, so how much should I pedals? be paying? How much should I should I be paying for a sim rig? Depends. Generally speaking, you really quick. You, you know what? This is like, good. Let's, let's, let's just say. Let, no, screw let, it. Let's We're going to talk about this. Let's talk about okay. Let's just, yeah. Let's just say I want like a middle of the road, not high, not, not high line, high end, and not, you know, bottom barrel. Like, okay. So, right, how much get, am I looking at? I would say, this. I would say, do Ryan set up. Ryan, take it. Okay. So, making I have my pen out. I'm taking notes. I have I have the top tier you can go before you got a John level. I don't have kids and I have money to just splurge on. That's me. No, that's me. Please, I'm I'm a reasonable person. Okay. I'm a reasonable person. You're a reasonable person. You you work your nine to fives. You retail restaurants. You hate your life type of job, but you want to get into some <laughs> racing to, to save your sanity. No no no, you. no, 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 no. I got you. I'm, I'm I'm more of the person that uh, I don't have any cash in my bank account. Most of my uh, Look, paycheck to paycheck. Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, I'm looking ten years down the road, and so uh, hopefully you get a living reasonably. But I would like to enjoy my own stuff. Look, you try to pull a Warren Buffett, and you're never going to have Berkshire Hathaway. That's cool. But regardless, here we go. So you're going to paycheck to paycheck. You don't necessarily like life, but you want to get sim racing. There are three <laughs> brands to look out for in that price scale. There is Logitech, there is Thrustmaster, and there is Fanatec. Those are the three. And I, have I just listed those. And keep going should uh, as do i listen those in cheapest to most expensive okay now logitech you can find at any of your targets your wally worlds and or your best buys uh thrustmasters you're probably not going to find in store you amazon can just not grab it yeah amazon, but thrustmasters out there but you won't be able to just walk in and buy one and then fanatech you will buy from their site uh period and a discussion price points now, Price points are 300, 500, 700 approximately. Uh, Logitech is the 300 to 400. S Masters 5 to 6. Fanatech 700 to 1,000. Is, is that 1,000 for the like a full kit? Everything so, that I would need? What I bought was the F1 bundle for the PlayStation because uh, I am a casual PlayStation and don't have PC Master Race. However, By my Fanatech, right? Fanatech is. Yeah. I bought the mine was seven hundred dollars and it was mm-hmm. the F one. It's an F one steering wheel uh, with the CSL Elite two, which is basically and that's so. This is the thing, basically that act and it came with pedals as well. The actual CSL Elite two, which is when you look at a rig, you have your wheel, you have your what makes the wheel do the things, aka the direct drive or the belt drive, makes it aggressive and feel like a car, and then you have your pedals. The C 
CSL 082 is basically the top tier you can get before you move into direct drive, which is where you're dropping a thousand dollars plus. Boy, right? you're which is what this. John has. Get it right. I think you're John. nailing this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so direct drive, if you look at like your professional sim racers, your YouTube guys, those guys all have direct drive, which means and we haven't even talked about C and like holding on to this nasty, nasty power, but we'll get there in a second. But with your with your Logitech and your Thrustmasters and your Fanatecs, I literally used a garage sale white table for my Fanatec, and it held on pretty well for F1 and GT. Did not bother with dirt because it would I would yeet this table into the wall with the driving. Yeah, yeah. But it worked out well. Now, Okay, so now I have a legitimate holder for it, and I can play dirt, which is the greatest thing ever. And how much did so that cost was, you? That was $140. For the frame? Um, frame was yeah. 140 So essentially... If legitimate rig, if I were to say, let's say I were to do, if I were to look at my setup, I have a $700 wheel, uh, what is engine basically more or less, uh, which is the CSL 082. The base. And then my pedals, the base. And I can upgrade my pedals, but just looking at that 700, my holder for that, which is the, is $140, which is the GT Omega, but there's like place, place space. There's a couple in that price range of 140 to $200. And then if I get a legitimate seat for that, that's about probably three hundred dollars. So all in get, all, to you can get cheaper seats, but you can. Yeah, you want your butt comfy as someone who drives twenty hours a week. Hey, I will say, what if I have a legitimate like racing seat? You can mount that baby long, up, no problem. You can, you hmm. can mount it up, and as long as you have a way. So I, I ran into a guy when I was doing a job. Uh, it was buying the uh, Ferrari Thrustmaster at for uh, walmart believe it or not and i said does your seat have wheels and he said your he has a gamer chair and he had wheels and he said yeah and i said can you lock those in place and i explained to him they're like think about it you are driving your car your real life car at 150 miles per hour and you need a brake to get down to 50 miles per hour how aggressively are you going to hit that brake pedal you're going to push your chair backwards if you're going to brake properly and hit the braking points you need to brake on any sim game, it does not matter what you need, right? So as long as you have a way to keep a good gaming chair in place, you can get a rig it. Like right now, I've got a, a, a chair that's – I removed the wheels and I put it on wood planks. It works. You can figure it out. But, you know, you can go anywhere from starting out on a sim rig for three to $400 just buying a Logitech wheel at Best Buy or Walmart or Target's. And strap it to any desk or table with your normal chair and be okay to start out. Um, and then if you like it and you want to go that route, you can start investing more money. I knew I wanted to go this route because I was on the sticks. I love it. And I just said, screw it. I'm going to go basically as close to top tier, non-direct drive as I can go. If I want to. I can go get different um, basically wheels uh, for my base and pedals, right? So yep. if I want to go do dirt, I, get, I have an F1 rig wheel, which is great for GT and F1. It is not necessarily the best for dirt. I could actually get a like rally type of full circle wheel if I wanted to, and you can attach that to your base. So the accessories and the add-ons and where you start stacking and stacking, it goes more. But to start so out, let to me go back to basics let here. Me, let, let me chime in for John. Say I've been in my box for a minute. For, for anybody, <laughs> for anybody listening, maybe Lenny, like if if you are just gonna play Forza and you're not gonna get into F1 2021. No, hold on, hold on. Hear me out. I, I'm talking to the listeners too. If you're just gonna play like Forza or maybe Gran Turismo, 
or something like that, and you're you know Forza Horizon, those are more arcade than like sim. You know, Gran Turismo is eh, borderline from what I would call sim versus arcade. It's like simcade. Um, F1 is a little bit closer to sim if you shut off all the assists, but still a little simcadey. But anyway. If you're just screwing around, right, because you don't really care, you just mess around, right, you buy a game, a car game, you play it for three or four months, and you move on, don't get anything more than a Logitech or a Thrustmaster kit, right? Like, like if, if you're not about that life, get that. You'll have fun. It'll be great. Don't worry about it. If you eat, sleep, and breathe cars like we do, I would highly recommend the Fanatec being the baseline that you get because well i guess that answers my question because the fanatec like ryan alluded to is modular okay you buy ryan got the f1 kit that has an f1 style wheel right it's not a full circle you know it's got limited steering um it comes with two pedals right but the fanatec ecosystem you can add on to that csl base you can add the actual shifter that has an H pattern shifter or a sequential shifter, you can add a handbrake. You can upgrade those pedals to Fanatex. I think they're called CSL pedals, which is what I have, which has a clutch. Right. They have load cells, and the pedals have dampers on them, and they're super stiff. And so you can set up how soft or stiff you want the brake pedal to be. And my pedal feels exactly. I now I now see how John has fallen down this rabbit hole that he was talking it's about. A rabbit hole. Oh yeah, bro. It's a rabbit hole. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, if you're just going to casually play racing games, sometimes get a Logitech or a Thrustmaster. You'll spend 250 bucks. Your, your drive time will be a lot more fun. You won't have these options and that's just what you're going to do. And then you're going to move on and you're going to go play other games and you might not play a racing game for two years. But if you need cars in your life, at the Fanatec, in my opinion, because you can get a C, like Ryan got the kit. If you just get the CSL base by itself, I think that's like three or four hundred bucks, and then a wheels a couple hundred bucks, and then whatever pedal setup you try and gets a couple hundred bucks, or you can get the kit. But I'm saying you can mix and match that to your taste, and there's a lot of room to grow if you want to eventually make it better or whatever, and there's a lot of things you can do with that. Also, the CSL base from Fanatec is the best non-direct drive base on the market, period. Nope. There's that there's there's no comparison. No comparison. Um none. And it's and it's real good. A, a a a CSL is as good as a poorly set up direct drive. You know what I mean? Like like it's real good. Um direct drive just means that there's a big ass engine a motor that drives the wheel directly as opposed to using pulleys to get more torque. And that's why direct drives are so expensive because you have this beefy ass motor driving the wheel directly. I have You're going to need a good mount for it. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, got to go the ton full of torque. route. Okay, yeah. It's, it sounds like I need to do a, a bunch of research if I'm going to get because, in on because this if I had and a direct further drive, kick your guys's butt. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And, and because if I, got, wanna, I just want to point out that I'm, I'm, I'm already faster than you guys and you guys are pushing me to be uh more realistic yes please. in where um i'm more inclined to push it harder i will concede and defeat happily if you do it on a wheel and absolutely. i just want to point out john i like oh you know and here i am pulling out my i will concede defeat happily if you do it on wheel and pedals hey 
I know we're getting long. Hey, we're getting long in the tooth on the sim talk. I'm gonna make one more point. Yeah. That I do think is important. The the chassis, the the actual rig that your seat and everything mounts to. Again, Logitech Thrustmaster. Get a good table. Get a seat. Figure out your height. Whatever. Just just rig it up. Once you get into the Fanatec realm, you should probably consider a frame of some kind. Be careful with cheap frames because a lot of them are chintzy and bend and don't have good mountings. I think the one Ryan got is actually pretty good. Um, Tia Omega is what I got. They're yeah. solid. And Play Seat's another decent one. Yeah, I took, well. I took the plunge and I went with an extruded aluminum frame. If you're willing to do that, in my opinion, extruded aluminum is far superior from everything else because one, sure. it's stiff as all get out. I can stand. I can How much does it cost you? My extruded aluminum frame was five hundred bucks. I can stand on my steering wheel base and it doesn't move. And my so what you're looking at from like a solid setup without all the modular ecosystem right. stuff is about two grand. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, it seems like my budget is about to be two grand for this. <laughs> yeah, but, and here's the nice thing. Here's the nice thing about the extruded aluminum. Here's why I plug the extruded aluminum. I tried to price out a DIY extruded aluminum kit myself, and the materials would have cost more than the kit I bought. And then the kit I bought, I can adjust the height and depth of the wheel, pedals, seat, shifter, handbrake, all that completely separately and uh it's strong as f i can mount anything to it and it's so modular because there's slots in the aluminum frames you can add stuff i have actually incorporated a full flight sim and driving sim into the same rig and what i do is i slide my seat backwards and my flight controls are at the back and my pedals are are in a a different part of the frame behind and i do flight stuff and then if I want to drive, I side, slide the seat forward and I'm at the steering wheel and my and my driving pedals are up forward. So like depending on how far down the rabbit hole you want to go with that, there's infinite amount of adjustability and creativity and stuff that you can do with that. So well um, well, well if Q if Q4 uh goes the way I envision it, we'll be seeing a good a good sturdy sim rig uh in the beginnings next year. There it is. Yep. Anyway. So that's enough uh, sim rig talk. Obviously, we do a lot of, I do a lot of sim racing because uh, I can't race real life because I don't have a car. But two gentlemen here with me that do have fast, real cars that they are real quite proud of is John and Lenny. They do have the GTR. And this is the meat and potatoes of this conversation this evening. Uh, and so my big starter question is why did you guys choose of any? car why is it you picked the gtr specifically the 32 because you both own the same chassis the bnr 32 to be exact what is it that make that i mean you want to start uh, us off yeah well for me uh it's got to be the prestige and the heritage of the chassis first and foremost for those of you who don't know the 32 is famous for its group A racing heritage and dominance, both in the Japanese uh, Grand Touring Championship, 
and also the Australian Group A racing. Oh, yeah. Where in Australia, it won every race it entered in until it was banned. Thus earning it. So good it was banned. So good it was banned, and the Australians are actually the ones that gave it the nickname Godzilla because it was a monster from Japan that could not be beaten. And so the Australians referred to it as Godzilla in passing, and that's where the everybody nowadays knows Godzilla, and it stuck from the Australian Touring Car Championship. It's amazing that the Aussies gave it that name. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So you chose to buy a GTR because of the prestige and the spanking well, on the track. Yeah. So like, uh, I myself had watched it almost live. I can't really remember exactly if it was live or if it was like a, a few months later or a few years later, um, in Brazil, uh, you know, on random Sundays after F1 seeing, the R32 dominate at the Japanese uh, Grand Touring Championship. And so, like, that always stuck with me. So when I moved to Japan, uh, you know, through grace of the U.S. Army stationed me there, and I saw the opportunity to buy a 32 GTR, then possibly import it back to the U.S., you know, at any given point. You know, whenever I went back, I took it. It's always a dream car, and like at that point, I didn't really know the mystique behind like the Gran Turismo era of it necessarily. Because <laughs> uh, I I never played Gran Turismo. I was always an Xbox guy, so I'm a Forza, and so for me, it was very much different than what the cliche would be. I mean. Yeah, because, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a poster car being with our grade group comparative to, like, the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris, right? It wasn't necessarily, didn't come into that way with being a poster car, but it did have the prestige with GT and those rear lights. Those rear lights on the GTR are uh, definitely something you don't want to be behind. Uh, for me, it's it's always been the quarter panel fenders. Rear quarter oh, panel fenders. The yeah, the flares. Ah, I love those. Oh my god. So it's just, it's just so voluptuous. It's the, voluptuous. So Ryan, the the GTR on the rear quarter panel fenders, it's different from a normal Skyline. They have like a little. It's it's a it's kind of abrupt. It's like an almost like a ninety degree kind of box out to fit wider tires in the rear. And like Lenny, I think that looks ridiculously cool um yeah so then john what you know i've known you for a long time we've had a lot of different sort of cars throughout the years that go fast so what is it about the gtr 32 that made you go i gotta have this versus all the other cars in your box and wheelhouse you've had so i would say before so i got stationed in japan by the grace of the u.s navy um not unlike lenny um, but I fought, <laughs> I fought, I actually fought really hard and did some like psychological warfare. I was like, when I was in flight school, I was like leaving postcards from Japan on like instructor's desks when it came time to pick where <laughs> going. like from, from like Tokyo. Um, I was like, I'm not saying I want to go to Japan, but like, I really want to go to Japan. 
Um, and we're, uh, we're, can I just interject real quick? I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. John. Whereas, as me, I took my shot on reenlistment uh, when I was deployed in Afghanistan. Like the time to enlist came about, and the there was a short list of aviation places, and there was Japan on. I was like, we have aviation, U.S. Army aviation assets in Japan. You know what? I always wanted the 32 GTR, and <laughs> it's a it's a three year tour. That's 2014. By gosh darn it, that's the first year available for R32 GTRs <laughs> made out no of way. Made, made out of 1989. I could import the one of the first R32 GTRs in America. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do that, and that was the plan. Did you really pick your deployment based on getting a 32? Yep, that's phenomenal. That's wild. For yeah. those, uh, then for I, those uh, then I acquired a, a November a November 89 GTR, which is month three production with the sole Wait. intent to be one of the first which never never happened by the way because i lived in japan for the, for 10 years and so you know i just for, for for those military people they understand this but like civilian wise that is such a huge deal that is a commitment based on a car <laughs> and a hope and a dream i mean that is just mind-blowing to me that you chose to do that <laughs> like i i do you know what I mean? Well, like, so military people understand, but like civilians have no idea how much of a hope and a dream that was to do that based on like car chassis. I yeah. went, I, I went, I mean, I, also, it's the adventure of living in Japan for three years, right? Sure, like, there, sure. There's yeah, more, there, yeah. there is more to that, but yeah, the, the, yeah, the nexus of it is, yeah, was, so, yes. <laughs> so, Ryan, to, to answer your question, like, I was, a, I was mostly a RX7 Mazda rotor head, and I to this day love everything rotary but um i went to japan because i just wanted to you know i'm a kid from a lower middle class poor family in the midwest and nobody ever went anywhere and i wanted to just i wanted to light my hair on fire and like do something super different and when they came in and said does anybody want to volunteer go to japan most guys were like screw this i'm staying in san diego and i was like bro i was doing cartwheels like i you know, For and, sure. And to be fair, if they had said any country that was over an ocean, I would have done the same thing. But, uh, you know, so I went to Japan shortly thereafter. My thoughts focused on, well, what weird ass cars could I get there? Um, <laughs> and so it wasn't necessarily the the, the BNR 32. Well, it or was it kind of when I thought about it? When I thought about it, I mean, the, that that was always kind of a, a like a oh man, that's neat, that's cool, that's sweet, but, exotic. Yeah, but I had played with, you know, growing up, I had played with RX sevens, I had played with Supras, I had played with three hundred Zs. I, you know, I had messed with all Couldn't the iconic cars in Japan that made it here, and the one that would kind of stood out in my mind because I'd never touched one or even seen one was a skyline and then i yeah. was looking at years and stuff like that because at first i kind of thought well you know the r34 is the one um but i was looking at years and i was like you know if i bought an r32 and i wanted to keep it based on the years i'm going to be here i could but really i just got it because i'd never messed with it and i didn't really i bought a year that i could export when i left just so i'd have the option but i wasn't sure if i was going to do that and then I drove it for the first time, and, you know, and kind of got into it. And uh, it was kind of the first car because I shopped for 
six to nine months. I was, I test drove like four and I was a real prick about it because I wanted something that was not clapped out because I'd always had clapped out racer boy <laughs> project cars that worked half the time. Oh, I know. Yeah, you know, you know. However, my RX-7 was dope when it was working. My RX-7 was super yes. dope. Um, anyway, it was working. Anyway, um, so I bought a really cherry example. And, dude, I drove that thing, and I was like, I was expecting a 20-year-old Nissan shitbox. And yeah. I was like, this thing's nice. Like, it's really nice. Like, it's comfortable. I go on a road trip for three or four hours, and my the fillings aren't rattling out of my teeth. Like... Yeah, you went on a grand tour and it actually held up to the name. Huh? Yeah, I can, I can, I can listen to music. I can have a conversation in the car. I was like, "This is," you know, I expected a twenty-year-old Nissan, and quite honestly, it was a lot nicer than any twenty-year-old Nissan I'd ever been in. And I kind of, I was like, you know, this, the car feels special. So I, I kind of, I definitely fell in love with it. Um, and so that's, you know, it kind of got, I kind of got wrapped up in it. And, uh, that's, yeah, I decided to keep it, decided to bring it back. And then like when you're in the States with one of those, sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's annoying, but like, I can't take it out of the garage. I'll get mobbed. Absolutely. Like, wow. It's on the street. People are like, Oh, what's that? Like you go to a gas station, you get three people coming up to you asking about it. Thumbs up on the road. Like, so that's kind of neat. Um, to get that type of attention, I would need to have a Lambo. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a cheat code. Right. I have a car that costs a fourth of a Lambo and it gets Lambo attention. Um, that's not what, like, I, I I kept the car because I genuinely fell in love with it. it. It was the best car I'd owned at that point. Ever. Yeah. Um, uh, this is an interesting point to me because it sounds like both of you picked the 32 due to the ability to bring it to America, right? True. And so... I think that's part of the prestige of this particular car, right? Because like you said, you've worked on all these other Japanese or JDM supercars to some degree, like your Supras, right? And uh, your Honda Civic Type R's or (laughs) something like that you could get in America to a degree. I always have to throw the Hondas in there. You could never get the Skyline. It was this like special pony that only the Japanese could get. And like there's this special time frame and you guys both lined up the 32 for that reason and john so you mentioned the 34 right you know, yeah. the other thing yeah, as yeah. well as there's the 33 and that was kind of the you know in the intro i talked about a boat and we've talked about how the 33 <laughs> it's a boat but like to the to right right now what can you just now get the 33 but you still can't get the 34 in america i don't know what the timeline looks yeah, like but yeah, again you, you, you you could get a uh, 95 33s now. You get 96s. It's right. 2001 or 221. Oh, so it's yeah, 25 years. Excuse. It's 25, yeah, it's 25 years. years. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of 33s are legal. And as time goes on, more will become legal. Uh, 34s weren't produced until 99. And so that is, so what, 2024 is when the first 34 will be legal for import. There are a lot of 34s in the States. They're all illegal. I don't care what anyone tells you. Um, yeah, they're great. It's really weird. It's really yeah. weird that the U.S. government's letting that go, man. Fuck, I'm a little mad. I mean, they're it's a 25 year old policy, so like, why not? They're titled as 240s or some other crap, but interesting. You know, 
they could get crushed. I I personally don't think it's worth the risk. Um, super not worth the risk. Yeah, and I'm just being a hater saying that I'm a little mad at the government for not going after this. You can't. Guy. You can't. Sure, so, the car. I'll be. I'll be honest. Value. I'm just. I'm. I'm just salty. No, it's the rules. Dumb, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is dumb. I don't ever want to have to yeah, deal with somebody crushing my car that I've put an exorbitant amount of money into. Um, so I have a question: if you if you had the option to have a thirty two or a thirty four, which one would you go with? Because the thirty three apparently is a joke in a boat. Thirty two. The thirty three is not I would a joke. Say, a I, I I have the car I want. Okay, so is the thirty three a solid choice, or is it a boat? The thirty th- the thirty three is a solid 33 choice. Thirty three is yes. a very solid choice. Look look, there's uh, a joke. It is it is it is very much more nimble. Like yeah, the the yacht thing is a joke. It's it, I asked you guys for a meme super, about GTR. Superly, the super curb, really capable. The curb weight of the 33 is the heaviest. It's lighter. Uh, no, it's the heaviest of the three generations, but it's like 50 pounds. It's not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna change the world. It's. It is the heaviest. Okay. That's why it has the joke about 33 is a boat. Um, but there's a lot of advancements in the 33 compared to the 32 stock that are more than make up that weight difference. They've, the electronic Hikus yeah, versus the right. hydraulic Hikus. Uh, the upgraded Atessa system, mm-hmm. uh, the crank collar. They don't eat the oil pumps, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, I say get the one that makes you happy. When, in my opinion, when I was younger, I thought thirty four. They're all cool. the same, really. Yeah, they are. They are. The chassis and the engines and and, and everything is like ninety percent the same. Um, okay. When I was younger, I thought thirty four was the best looking one. As I have aged, I think the 34 looks cartoony. Interesting. And, and I don't like it as much. I genuinely... The interior of the 34 never impressed me. I will say that. The interior of the 34 is garbo. I don't like the interior of the 34. It's plasticky. It just looks like a normal sedan. I, I, I just don't like it. Um, I, the huh. 32 kind of has like a like an 80s era, just like just business. Um and, and <laughs> it's minimalistic on purpose right um the if 30 anything. the 32 is not you know if you're talking stock for stock for stock the 32 is the slowest one i'm not saying that but as far as styling goes me now as a mid-30s guy i genuinely think the 32 is the best looking that's honestly my opinion um i think the taillights of the 34 look weird as a kid i loved them you know, it's just like, you know, I could eat ice cream three meals a day when I was a kid, and now the thought of that makes me vomit. It's just <laughs> changing tastes. I, w- um, I will fair. say after seeing 30, so many 34s, and to say, for me to say so many 34, 34s in general than 34 GTR specifically, I've seen a lot of those. Like, they're they're pretty plain Jane to me at this point. Yeah. I'm not very, I'm not very surprised nor impressed with most that I come across. And, and like, I, that sounds very jaded. Um. And I, I kind of hate myself for it, but I'll, I'll live with it. But like, That's just what is, you know, I've updated my 32 with a lot of 33 and 34 parts, you know? So once you, and I mean, like I have a lot of 35 parts on my car, so yeah. like I've gone one more step over that. Yeah. And once you start doing that, it gets muddled because the chassis yeah, are absolutely. similar. Um, is that normal in the kind of click of the skyline to do that where you're just kind of like hybriding out at that point a you're sky- mixing and matching a skyline yeah a skyline is one of the most tuned cars on the planet right so like the amount of shops and aftermarket support and just you know parts that are available for it is through the roof so 
And also, you know, what made the Skyline popular is kind of the same thing that made the Super popular, is that those engines were overbuilt to the moon. Um, so, you know, mm. making 500 horsepower on stock internals is not a tall order. It's it's pretty run of the mill. Um, it's pretty mild. Yeah. The now the the myth that like oh, a stock engine makes a thousand horsepower is complete complete myth. Complete story time. Um, but like. The rotating it'll assembly... Make, it'll make that power for a second. Yeah, for a drag pull. Um, but the rotating assembly in those cars is super-duper stout. It was built as a four to 500-horsepower circuit car. And, you know, my car has a completely stock block with upgraded turbos, and I'm making 520 at the wheels. So far, so good. Um, you know, that that's, that's true. They're overbuilt. They're turbocharged. Low compression. Real, real easy to make power. You slap on a new set of turbos, tune that baby. Boom. 100, 200 horsepower over stock all day long. To do that in a naturally aspirated car would cost you three times the money in work. So it's there's a lot of uh, foundation there to work. I'm still running a essentially stock Nissan ECU with just a new reflash chip on it from Top Secret. Yeah. That's my that's my engine management. I'm so, putting down five five forty horsepower. To the wheels. This is my question then. So, so you've got the GTR, which basically is a street legal, but more or less track type of history it's with it. The, it's a homologation special, right? Absolutely, homologation yeah. special. They it's like the Lancia it, Delta Integrale. Yeah, they built they built the GTR to make the minimum amount of production cars to legally enter certain races because certain races have to be based on a production car. So if you don't allow the public to buy a certain amount of them, you can't race them, right? So the difference, like, compared to F1, F1 has no DNA in passenger cars whatsoever. So homologation right. cars are cars where, hey, to race in this series, this has to be a car that you can reasonably go and buy. And the GTR is specifically a homologation special. So if that's the case, and you guys have kind of dabbled a little bit here getting into your setups of your different cars, you guys both essentially have... 32 yep. and our 32s. Yep. You've gone different directions with them. A little right? bit. Because. Yeah. A little bit. Slightly. They're both fast cars. They're both fun cars to drive. And it seems like that's the even the being sitting in the cockpit is better than the 33 or the 34. <laughs> so what different directions have you taken with these cars? doing things around no longer are you in japan and doing toge that's a callback to an old episode check it out um, but you're now in america what is it you have chosen to do with your cars and why i'll take i'll let john take point on this since he's done the most with his car since okay. he's been back in america so the inspiration for my car was I was inspired by the by two cars. I was inspired by the Porsche 911 GT3 and the Cadillac CTS-V. Um, and what I was going for with my car was to make a... So my car is more focused on street. I would call it like 70-30 uh, street to track. And the inspiration for my car was to make like a honest, like 
five to six hundred horsepower car that was comfortable, had all the creature comforts and amenities that I wanted, um, and and I could get in it and drive it anywhere and do anything in it. Didn't compromise usability, but I could take it to a track day and rip up a track day all day with no concerns and then just drive it home with without worrying about it so and i thought the the cadillac ctsv which at the time was a 550 horsepower car that was billed as hey you can take this to the track you can take this to get groceries porsche 911 gt3 is a little bit more track focused but also a car you can just drive off the showroom you could drive it every day if you want to there are people that drive them every day also like a track special so the ctsv and the gt3 were kind of like my, my guiding principles of um I didn't want to sacrifice usability. I didn't want to sacrifice comfort, but I also wanted to be able to get it on the track and not have anything pop out on the car. Like, Hey, this is keep holding you back, which if anybody's taking a car on the track after you do two or three track days, you're like, Oh my God, this sucks. And this sucks. And this sucks. And this thing's going to break. Um, so that was kind of the, you know, I was shooting for five to 600 horsepower at the wheels and that type of usability between daily and trackability. And, so, and I will follow up in a military fashion just to piggyback on what John said there. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ugh, gross. Uh, uh, I, I also uh, had the same sort of mentality and intention with the GTR. Uh, first and foremost, upon its purchase, the car was already sort of prepped in that sort of fashion, that sort of street track fashion. Uh, it was street registered, but you know, had very track specific sort of upgrades and modifications done to it, i.e. what's called the Brembo F40, F50 brake upgrade system for the GTR, where it's essentially like what it, what the name is, is the F, the Ferrari F40 brake system, Brembo brake calipers, brake rotors on it. Uh, And also it like had, you know, welded, cage is very track focused but still street prepped and so i sort of just expanded on that sort of uh, ideology throughout my ownership and stewardship of it but i think yours has kind of evolved into whereas i said mine was like 70 street 30 track i think yours is more the opposite end of the spectrum yeah, you know, uh, with me, uh, I, I did track the car quite a bit. Uh, I, I did Scuba, Fuji, Sudagor, uh Raceway. And uh, and so throughout that time, as John alluded to, you know, you, get, you do those track days and you start to realize like, oh, okay, this needs to be improved on or like, Oh man, I'm really getting a lot of brake fade when I'm doing consistent hot laps, which I love to do because you know I get in that zone and I just kind of keep on doing that, and that's kind of uh, a consequence of me uh, doing a lot of video games and gamifying a lot of stuff. And so, like, I, <laughs> I, I yeah. have a very hard time adjusting to that sort of consequence of like, oh shoot, like there's actual brake wear and there's a consequence because I will cook it into turn one on Fuji Speedway. Uh, do you have doing almost two hundred miles an hour? Do you have sticks in your car, Lenny, or a wheel? 
of like sticks what? are they do you have a controller for your uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would say it's a it's a full rig, full sim rig. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Okay, good. Just making sure. Now, Lenny, <laughs> besides the uh, besides the cage, have you made any other concessions to daily drivability or comfort? Because my car does not have a cage of any kind. I have some chassis stiffeners, but uh, the Air Augusta suspension is pretty stiff. Mm. I would say. Um. The R35 sport pads that I have on the car just routinely don't catch when it's cold sometimes. So that, <laughs> that could prove that You're could prove in California. Challenging. It doesn't get cold. Yeah, but I mean, like when the, the car sits in the garage and so like, it's just, does it? Yeah. When you pull out of the garage, They're not up to so temp. Like, when, it, when it's not up to temp or the brakes like. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta yeah. use you gotta do the just F1 for sport thing where you squiggle back and forth. You gotta squiggle back and forth. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> do that. Yeah. Um, did you remove any sound deadening or anything like that? There's no sound deadening in any of the door panels or <laughs> the recorder panel. Jeez. Yeah. So uh, it, there's quite a there's quite a bit removed on it. Uh, it so I would less say of a it's, Cadillac it's, for sure than compared to John's. <laughs> Yeah, I've it's actually probably added at the limit of what deadening. I would call a streetcar. Yeah, I've actually added sound deadening to like my door panels and the floor and stuff like that. Yeah, and certain have... things rattle. Certain things rattle at certain <laughs> RPMs in the car. At certain rattles places. are okay, I suppose. I have. I, I find have it interesting. No rattles. So, so John, did you also upgrade your brakes then right out the gate? Because Lenny, I mean, you said you upgraded your brakes, and for me as a sim guy, going through different cars and you know, taking. Say an Alfa Romeo 4C versus a Honda Civic versus an F2, brakes make the biggest difference. I mean, seriously, it's cool that F1 cars go fast. It's really about the brake power, so, more than anything I've learned. Yes. Yeah, so can, can I can I just can I just say one thing really quick? Yeah. Uh, I want to say that I I overkilled it on my brakes. I now run R35 GTR brakes on my GTR, and that's only because like uh, a friend of mine was upgrading his R35 brakes. And so like I had gotten a good deal on it. What I was running before the F40 brakes uh, were more than adequate enough for the track, for the track. Uh, there were four calipers in the front, two calipers in the rear, uh, 355 millimeter, two piece rotors in the front and 330, 335 millimeters in the rear. Also two, uh, two caliper, uh, two-piece uh, rotors. And so, like, they were more than adequate. Why I upgraded to the R35 calipers was, one, for the good deal that I got on them, and two, because uh, I had just recently run Bougie Speedway, and I had really had come across a problem of brake fade, like, immediately upon, like, lap two of a hot lap. Mm. And so, Ow. like, I just... I had seen that as, like, a... Oh shoot! This is what I need to improve on. Oh wow! This is a really good deal I'm getting on this. I'm gonna go back and run Fuji and break my time, and hopefully, you know, start uh, coming up to the the elusive two minute. I'm super fast kind of time that I was shooting for because I'm an ambitious guy. But you know, never really quite happened. I never got there. So, so my my GTR when I bought it had um, Alcon. 
Alcon four piston fronts and it had stock rears. I upgraded the stock rears to Acabono two piston rears from a 370Z Sport. So I've got 355 millimeters up front and 350 millimeter. Everything's two piece rotors. Um, I haven't experienced fade, but because I do run relatively mild pads, I have smoked the pads on quite a few occasions. Um, <laughs> but uh, I haven't actually, I you know, I run Castrol, the SRF, holy crap, fluid, and I haven't really experienced fade. Um, I was a fair bit slower than Lenny around scuba because I was just scared of binning my expensive car, and that was just all in my head. Uh, <laughs> I, it's all a mental game. Yeah, I can keep up with our gang pretty damn well on the toge. And I remember one time in particular, I pulled up to the toll station on uh, the Toyo Mazda Turnpike, and there was smoke pouring off of my brakes. And the lady at the yeah. toll station thought my car was on fire. And I was like, "No, it's good." Toll listen, sorry. Yeah, uh, that was also in the tow gap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, it's funny. It's funny. I'm I'm kind of known to be Captain Slow amongst our. Our driving group in Japan, the James May of the group. Yeah, yeah very much. Yeah, that was that was um that was my my nickname. It's uh, funny. Toge was no, yeah, Captain yeah. Slow, but you know, on the track, I I think I I held it held it above on on the top. I was on top every time. No, you held it down. I cannot track. wait for you. You held. It down I can't wait track. for you to get a sim rig. It so was, it, it sounds good. to me. Go ahead. The GTR is an amazing car. That it's a fun one. It, it, I mean, well, so basically, it's very moddable. The community around it's super, super supportive, and due to due to it being kind of like this hidden gem in America, it is this fancy thing to have where you get Lambo attention uh, for car fanboys, but you don't have to spend Lambo money on it. But you can if you want to to mod it out, uh, but upgrade the brakes for sure. Uh, because if you have a fast car, upgrade the brakes. That's uh, yeah. The, the stock brakes of the the, the regular R thirty two GTR are are not very good if you're gonna go for a track day. They're hey, I think they're okay for three hundred horsepower, but if you're pushing five six hundred horsepower, you probably need more mass in the rotors. Sounds like if you're gonna buy a GTR, you're probably gonna do pretty quick, regardless. Yeah, yeah, because everyone now buys them for power, right? Like, oh, a thousand horsepower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is dumb, but dumb, silly, super well, dumb. And that's the other thing I've learned in the sim is like I could crank out the uh, horsepower on this car, but I'm gonna have a bad time. I've actually like started cranking the horsepower down. It's like competitive, but not necessarily because you got if you have too much horsepower for the brakes, the car you're gonna have a bad time, right? And you realistically, can't drink realistically, like the the good balance on the, on the R32 at least in terms of power is somewhere between 550 horsepower and 650 horsepower. I, I believe. Yeah. And I think that's a good, good school of thought there. Look, and I, I think that's true. Like, I think it's funner to drive slow vehicles fast than fast vehicles slow. And mm. I have two bikes with over, you know, like mid one hundreds, like 130, 150 ish horsepower. And I have a supermoto with seventy horsepower. And guess which bike I have the most fun on? 
Just throwing, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, right. Well, and I recently took the GTR 32 around Nürburgring for the first time in the sim. I found it much more pleasurable to have that around the 500 horsepower with all of those turns uh, versus if I were to go to Monza, maybe I'd crank it up just to go spanking fast. But again, it's uh, it's more enjoyable with the lower horsepower. That's the GTR, why these guys have chosen it. It's a fantastic car. Uh, keep it on your hot list, especially considering you can now get it in America. Keep it on your hot list. That's probably one of the most talked about cars in Cardom. It is. And so we're talking about it's on everyone's yeah. hot list. Yeah. It's on everybody's hot list. I well, and we'll we'll talk about a future episode uh the JDM manufacturers and which one's the best in modern times versus the yield days in which you can get. That is another topic. For now though, John has picked a elegant car. I'm quite interested in what this looks like. Uh he has trouble picking a car that we could possibly guess. He stumped us last week. Hopefully, it's M. Lenny and his uh, car knowledge can pull us through because we all know that I'm the uh, car noob on learning stuff here. Oh, it's, it's on me again, and, huh? Uh, the rules. Lenny, I'm, I'm, I help with, uh, you know, vague questions and narrowing down, but we can get this. Let's nail this one. All right. So, I'm was... running through the rules and uh, <laughs> give us a hint. All right. So, in this segment, what I wish I was driving, I pick a car. Ryan and Lenny have 20 questions, yes or no questions. To guess what the car is, the 20th question has to be the guess. If they guess what the car is before and they are wrong, they lose. So they got to make the guess count. Um, and then besides that, before the episode, I gave Ryan a hint that he's alluded to. I called this car the pinnacle of elegance. So that's your only hint. Um, generations not required. And with that, yet let the questioning begin. Is this car British? British, no. You got to... Lenny, you're just on the sticks today, buddy. Uh, well, I mean, he said the pinnacle of elegance. I have to shoot I the thought shot Euro. British, right? So is this car European? Is this car European? Absolutely. Yeah. Is this car Italian? Like, is this car a spicy Italiano? Yes. Is this car a Ferrari? Is it a phaser? Yes, it is. Well, Ryan, I think we've narrowed it wow. down. John, way to be biased towards yourself. I, get, I gave you guys a good hint. You know, I was feeling generous. It's, after probably, it's probably not an F40 because that's probably, not the best car of all time. Well, it is the best car of all time, but it is not an F40. But that would He's already picked the F40. That would right, be really be cheesy. Way to do too it. obvious yeah. if I did that. All right, so we're four questions in. We've narrowed down. It's a pinnacle of elegance. It's a Ferrari. That's right. I can see it in my head, but I don't know the name of the car. Basically, John Santa Claus at this point. Go ahead. Yeah. Does this Ferrari share part of its name with a well-known American muscle car? Ooh, I like that question. Okay. John? Is this Uh, car... Ooh. I'm just wondering. Is this car a coupe? It is indeed a coupe. Is 
Was this car built before 1970? No. Was this car featured in a TV show? That's a very broad <laughs> question. Are you sure you want to? I mean, I'm, I stick I'm to on, my I'm, guns there. You better fuck. Yeah, I'm, a, better I'm approving it. I'm approving it. Get on the Google train. I don't know. I mean, it's highly likely. Um, Ooh. But like. Highly likely. I I, I don't know if I can answer this. Yes. 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 It was on a TV show. TV show is that? I'm not. You, that's not a yes or no question. <laughs> John, you're the master of the multiple choice. Hey, he's the one of the multiple you guys choice can questions. Ask, you guys can easier. ask multi-part yes or no questions, but what TV show uh, is not a yes or no question? One, you get one multi multi-choice question, no, John. Cheese crap. You guys are pansies. You can you, oh, can, you can construe the yes or no question any way that you want. I just try to sneak in a question there, like salesman, real quick. I mean, I see if you'd answer it impulsively. I'm very laissez-faire. You can construe your question any way John, you want, as long as yes or no. What? Just does the name of this car start with an M? Or the lettered part of the name does it start with an M? Yes. I mean, you're on something. Look, you got this one. John, was this car featured in a bad boy film? <laughs> I'm back to Google. Yeah, Going I got to go to Google on that one. Uh, and that's uh, question boys. 10. Uh, I believe it was, yes. Do we get another hint at question 10? Have we established no. that as a rule set? Damn it. I don't think we need one. Okay. Are you, uh, are you, you should, dialing you should, this in, Lenny? You should ask some, some more. Yeah, give us the, give us the real, you know the answer. Give us the real, yeah, what, uh, what's the engine on this one? Uh, the... Hmm, Ferrari is the V12 typically. I I don't know. Does that help? Ryan, if we Ryan, you you don't you wanna, don't you don't game it, Lenny. You you know, ask ask the hard questions <laughs> if you think you know. Uh, it's got to be mid-engine because it's Ferrari, so it's mid-engine rule most likely. Why is did, uh, did, John? Did, gave, John, don't give me a spicy Italian is, look is, with that one. Is the is the power output of this Ferrari more than 500 horsepower? More than 500 horsepower? Yes. Uh, I don't believe it is, but let me double check. So oh. I, no, it is not more than 500 horsepower. Interesting. Which means like that may not be the thing. It is not more than 500 horsepower. Okay. It is less than 500 horsepower? Is that what you're clarifying? I mean, yeah. You could, well, it, you could word it a different way and say it is less than five hundred horsepower. Yeah. Okay. Less than five hundred horsepower. 
this is an elegant, not super fast Ferrari. It was in a Bad Boys movie. But not the most recent one, because the the most recent one was more than 500 horsepower. And it does have an M in the name. It does have an M in the name. Or I guess the word starts with an M. Word starts with an M. These are all questions you have asked. Just making sure you remember them. Oh, John, does this, does this, is, is, is this Ferrari front engine? Is this Ferrari front engine? Yes. See, I knew it was a mid-engine. I knew it. Yeah, John, does this I Ferrari see. have a V12 in it? V12. Por supuesto. Oh, well, then it's got to be a 550 Marinello. Is that a question or discussion? That's a freaking statement. Okay, so how do you de- so how do you declare for sure? Like, do we need to make sure this thing likes pasta or uh, doesn't like pineapple <laughs> <and> pizza? <laughs> like, how do we make sure we know this is the right one? Uh well, I mean, Ferrari only made a well one front engine or 12. two, I guess. V12 front engine mounted with the other an M at the beginning of its name that was featured in a bad boy movie. Ah, but were both of them featured in a bad boy movie or only the one? Uh, yeah, I think they had the, the newer one featured in the newer bad boy movie recently, or I might be mistaken in that in, on that front, but who knows? So how I do we narrow that down? Oh, I, I, I've already, no, I'm, I know yeah, it's gotta be the, it's, it's, it's got to be the okay. It's got to be the so. D- does this car dislike pineapple on pizza, John? I have no idea what you're trying to say with that. <laughs> I dislike pineapple on pizza. If you're, in case you were wondering, um, I so made the guess. Car... I, I've, I've, right. I put What's down my gavel. Carloni, ask the question. Five fifty Marinello. John, is the car the Ferrari five fifty Marinello? Yes. Nailed it. One of the most classical and, in my opinion, beautiful shapes in Cardam. Uh, a little bit of a return to form for Ferrari. Uh, they made the 456 beforehand, which was also a front engine V12. was not featured in a bad boy movie, to my knowledge. Uh, but the 550, in my opinion, has a much more pleasing shape than the 456 did. Um, it made 486 horsepower. So just under the 500 mark. The 575 successor made like 540, I believe it was. Um, Yep, that's where I was going with that. In my opinion, one of the most gorgeous cars ever made of all time. And uh, kind of a a quintessential, like, this is what a sports car should be. It's very muscular. Yeah. Uh, You could get it. How do they go front? Love it. You could get it when they go gated. front engine, though. Uh, they went front engine because this car was not there. What Ferrari was trying to do at this point in time was they were trying to return to some of their roots where they made luxury grand tourers. Mm. Right. And so, okay. like in the 80s, everything was kind of like cocaine fueled racer boy stuff and so what ferrari did in the 90s is they stratified their lineup to where like the v8s were the mid-engine racer boy 
track cars and the V12s were like the Luxo Barge GTs. And so the 550 was in that philosophy of like this is what James Bond wears in a business suit while he's courting somebody's wife. Um, whereas the 355, which was the, you know, the the other side of this was a mid-engine red you know, when you see a 550, it's usually silver. When you see a, a 355, it's usually red, and it has its hair on fire. Um, the interior looks really nice. The engine's pretty sexy. Like I said, I like the alignment. The 555 in black, I think, is super slick. Yeah, I would do. I would do the blue or the silver if it was me. Mm, the blue. The blue is wah. The blue yeah. would be too on nose for me, though. But you know. <laughs> I do like the gunmetal. <laughs> I like I like I like gunmetal type of stuff. That's always pretty sexy to me. Yeah, yeah. see a convertible version of it. Chassis number one two four but one I, three. You know, I like I like Ferrari kind of you know buttoning up their shirt and putting some cufflinks on and kind of making a little bit more of a gentleman's car. And I and I kind of the rear that. end of that car is also very eloquent. Fantastic I would say. ass, just yeah, just fantastic. And you can get it with a car. gated you get it with a gated six speed and. You know, those got more and more. I don't know if you could. Could you get a 575 with a six speed? I don't think you could. I think the 550 you could get with a manual, but the 575 was all F1 paddles. I don't know. Cotty Massant. Yeah. But switching so to the semi automatic because Ferrari basically started that stuff back in the day. It did. John, very good pick on the car this week. Thank for, you. Of what I wish I was car. driving. Glad Beautiful car for what I was driving. Absolutely. Glad you approve. Well, I'm spent. That's been a good episode of uh, Zero Lift. We got sidebarred by talking about getting a sim rig for Lenny instead of getting on the sticks. Talked about John and Lenny's GTR, why they chose to drive it, why it's such a Lamborghini in America, even though you don't have to spend Lamborghini money, and the multitude of setups. Been a good one. We hope you enjoyed this. If you do, uh, make sure to subscribe. Uh, we will continue to post this on a regular basis for you guys. And soon we'll have a Discord set up so those of our followers can join us and have conversations about cars and things like Amsterdam and riding your bikes and uh, tulips. So I've been Ryan. I've been here with Lenny. What up? Later. And John. Miss you already. Keep it pinned. This has been Zero Lift. Peace.